So this morning, I want to finish up um, briefly the last couple verses of the section we read yesterday. So Ephesians 4, um, basically just verse 14 and uh, 14 down to 16. And I want to talk about a couple things there. And, and then we'll turn the page um, to the next section of verses and kind of start the conversation uh, around those verses. Um but there's just a kind of a short section that uh, um, I thought was uh, something we really didn't address and uh, or speak to and uh, ought to be talked about a little bit. So, so here we are. We're gonna I'll read these verses and then we'll read the other verses when we get to that. So, let's start out with Ephesians four. Ephesians four, starting in verse fourteen, says this. So that, and by the way, it starts in the middle of a run-on sentence because Paul is just prone to run-on sentences at times. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love builds itself up in love so you know paul's been talking about these marks of christianity the marks of a believer and uh, good morning michaela hey um, so the marks of Christianity we've talked about, you talked about earlier, the humility, the gentleness, uh, the patience or long suffering, the bearing with one another in love and the, the marks of Christianity, then they grow us through the seven ones we talked about in the first six verses, excuse me, of uh, the unity, the ones uh, of unity that help us grow in more maturity. It's kind of this circular type effect of as we grow in the marks of Christianity, they grow us to be more unified and more one, which then begins our maturity. And it, it just continues to grow on and on. Good morning, Vicki. And so we as believers are called to no longer be infants, right? Talks about that in verse 14, no longer be children or infants, but that we are to grow in our faith. We're to, to grow in our maturity. So immaturity, when you think about infancy, the immaturity is talking about, it causes your beliefs to be easily swayed. So, you know, you think about easily swayed and blown about and, you know, somebody comes in with a, a brand new phrase or something and, and we get caught into it without really thinking about it. Um, you know, there's nothing new under the heaven, uh, under the, the sun. Um, we read about that in Ecclesiastes. And I was just talking this morning with a group of guys. We get together on Tuesday mornings and um, talking about just some of the different beliefs out there in kind of the cults and how many of them you can trace all the way back to the early church and the dealing with them in, in Gnostic beliefs and other ways. And so it's in understanding our histories that we're less swayed, we're less caught off guard um, by different beliefs and different things that come up. You know, Rob Bell, a few years ago, if you remember that name, he was a big name preacher and he kind of went off a bit of the deep end 
been talking about this idea that there maybe is no hell. And, uh, you know, we looked at that as, well, this is something new. And again, it was an older belief, something that had been shot down and something that had been explained biblically why it's not true. And, I, you know, there's there's room for different beliefs when it comes to hell. But uh, the fact that God just flat out wouldn't send anybody and wouldn't punish anybody. And so you just die and annihilate. It, it just doesn't fit in with scripture in that sense of it. And so it caused his downfall instead of understanding the background. And so immaturity causes people to be caught up in that, to be blown about by things because they're not rooted. We, we talked about Sunday being anchored in Jesus, anchored in the word of God, because an anchor might cause you to kind of, you know, float a little bit, but you still stay hovering within the margins, you know, of scripture in our beliefs. And immaturity allows us to be blown about um, as well. As well, even immaturity sometimes can cause us to be so stuck on a belief because it's the only thing we know uh, that we don't listen to others' opinions on it. We don't listen to other biblical things on things that are non-dogmatic or are not the Apostles' Creed. Um, you know, I've made jokes before about um, one of the first times my brother-in-law, uh, soon to be, well, now brother-in-law, wasn't at the time, was just a friend. And he's like, oh, you guys must be heretics because we baptized backwards and they did it three times forwards and it was different and you can't do different right um, they did the love feast for communion and we just passed the plate and took the elements and, and and so oh you know in their mind in his mind initially it was well you're a heretic it's like no we just have a different mode a different way that we do things but if we're not careful and and, and he he meant it as a joke and you know um he doesn't think we're a heretic, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, if we're not careful, infancy can cause us to not be open to other thoughts. The time, places we see that the most often in the church is when it comes to end times thinking. You know, end times thinking. And I've talked about it on these calls or these uh, um, live devotionals and the views of the rapture theory, which, I mean, you know, I would love to think that as a believer and as a church, we will not have to go through some tough times. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, but Israel had to go through tough times. All throughout Scripture, individuals went through tough times because the redemption comes in heaven and glory, not necessarily on this earth. And rapture theory came about in the late 1800s and was not made popular until John Darby in the 1920s. And even then really didn't take hold until Left Behind series turned it into a fiction work. Um, so we have to be careful. You know, a rapture theory is kind of an escapism. And so you can see even, and, and, and uh, I believe a doctorate could be written on this, talking about how those who fall prey to fear in times when the church shut down, not, well, it didn't shut down. We closed our doors, didn't meet live here, but we met on online. You know what I'm saying? We've talked about this before, but um, they fall prey to the fear around them and are most critical when the church shut down the four walls because that is the church to them is sometimes those individuals that are very stuck on the rapture 
idea because, well, we won't have to go through tough times. Had a professor one time, um, uh, there were two different professors and they both had different views. And I loved it because the one who did not believe in the rapture said, hey, um, if, if there is no rapture, then I will be prepared to go through a tribulation. And uh, he goes now to the other one, he goes, but if you're right, I'll high five you all the way up on the rapture. You know, <laughs> uh, Those are areas where it's okay to have differing views and to allow for that. But in our infancy, we sometimes hear only the view of that only the one pastor that we knew, and this may not even be a denominational view. And we believe that and we have no room to listen to other of these these underlining things. Again, those are not the dogmas. Those are not the apostle creeds, um, because the apostle creed uh, outlines the key doctrines that we all believe 100 percent. And there's no room on those. God is God is the Father, Jesus the Son, right? The Holy Spirit, um, the virgin birth, those type of things. Um, good morning, Mom and Dad. Good morning, Penny, Mike. So that's the infancy. The, the next area he talks about there in these couple past, uh, verses in Ephesians 4, like 14 to 16, is then from infancy to maturity. That our maturity comes from asking in faith. In, in faith. Um, it's a gift of God. That discussing uh, it begins to help us to discern God's will, and it's a gift that comes from Him. Maturity grows our ability to see and understand truth. We begin to understand the truth of these things, discern through Scripture our beliefs. It's accomplished by speaking truth and in love. We accomplish our maturity by learning how to speak truth and love to others. You, you realize truth as we see it as humans is sometimes used to denounce other people, to denounce, to ridicule, and to control. And that's not truth with love. Truth to believers is like the, uh, well, maybe put it this way, right? Truth to, uh, to believers is kind of like the letter Q. You know, the letter Q in the English language is not used by itself. It's always used with another letter, right? It's always used with you. And so truth to a believer should never be used by itself without love. It's truth and love. That's what maturity brings us to speak, always speak truth, but to speak it in love to one another. If we share truth without love, we destroy the message that we're trying to get across. No one listens to that. It's often why I think the world around has looked at the church as a whole, and more so judging the church as a whole based on their experience with so-called believers or Christians or even a four-wall building and the common phrase that you hear from non-believers is that we are known more for what we hate than what we're for. And it's because we've spoke truth, but without love. We've been wise and bold, but we've not had compassion to speak the truth in love to individuals and say, we love you. And God looks at sin as a sin, whether that be adultery, homosexuality, gossip, 
slander, right? A sin is a sin. So when we emphasize true love, then on the other end, and we emphasize love over truth, well, then we think no one wants to hear the truth or, you know, because it might hurt them or they may not like it. I just, I'm not going to share. And so we, we try to be overly loving without ever preaching sin. You know, the problem is a lot of times though, when we think about sin and, and you ask somebody to define that in the church and they've got their choice sins, um, you know, in the Nazarene church, uh, our our choice sin is alcoholism, right? You know, we want to preach against alcoholism, which there is nothing wrong with preaching against, you know, being drunk, um, being giving in to uh, indulgence of other things as well. But we do it to the exclusion, especially when we fall to legalism, the exclusion to the ideas of gossip and divisiveness and slander. I mean, those are okay, <laughs> But not, you know, not these other ones. And and we begin to classify what we think sins are. And before we know it, we kind of become this Dante's level of inferno where you have these layers of heaven and layers of hell. And so this is just a lower sin. It's not a deep, deep, you know, bad sin. Um, and God goes, no, it's all sin. And none of you are righteous. No, not one, except for by my son's grace, right? And, and so... If we speak truth without love, we're a tyrant. And if we speak love without truth, well, that's a lie. And that's what I think Paul was speaking to here at the end of this section that we read yesterday. And so I wanted to share that before we jump into the next little area. Um, you know, uh, before I, I read, we'll see if we get to that. I may just share a little bit and we'll start in verse 17 tomorrow. Um but in all of the epistles, there's really like five key principles. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit, kind of these these fun little terms, the like the now and the not yet, right? And, and in the epistles of Paul, there are kind of these kind of just, well, we'll just say some principles. We won't even label five, but some principles that continue to come out. And, and um, the first one is this idea of once this that was hidden, now it's revealed, right? That's often kind of the way Paul's talking about in this mystery is this used to be hidden from you. Say before Christ, these things were hidden, but now they're beginning to be revealed. God through his Holy Spirit is beginning to make some things known to you that he didn't make known before. You know, think about that when you have somebody who questions and questions your faith and they can't understand. They don't get it yet because it's, still hidden from them, right? It's not that all, you know, they will be ever seen, but never see. It's not that they will never get it. It's until they finally surrender the control to Jesus Christ, it's not revealed. Sin and death is keeping it hidden in their lives. We see that in the saving plan that God had all throughout scripture. In the Old Testament, it's obscured and only known in part. The whole plan has not been made known. They see a shadow 
of the sacrifice that would be made in the blood of Jesus. It's a shadow. It's a, it's a false sacrifice in a way. The lamb had to be sacrificed and it had to be done on a consistent basis because it wasn't a good enough offering to continually cleanse like the blood of Jesus does. We see that plan in part through the scapegoat. Barabbas was the scapegoat. If you look at the Old Testament, and there was always a scapegoat that they would, instead of slaughtering that lamb, they would take it outside of the camp. They would lay, they would basically lay hands on and pray kind of the sins as a symbol. All the sins of all of Israel would be laid onto this lamb and it would be taken out, outside the camp and let go. And it was a scapegoat. Barabbas was the scapegoat. You know, there's so many symbols of this in part kind of hidden in the Old Testament and revealed in the life of Christ. It's fulfilled in us through Jesus Christ, and it's made known to us. We are invited to see the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? That's that once this was hidden, now it's revealed in our lives. Another kind of way to put some of these epistles is, once you were this, now you are that. All right. Once you were this, now you are that. Once you were dead in your sin, now you are made alive in Christ. It's a now, even though we're still working on the not yet, that it's not perfected. But once you were, now you are. The old life, now you're the new life. Once you were broken, now you're redeemed. Even though in times our life we still feel broken, we still don't feel whole, we still don't feel like we got it all together but we are not what we used to be. As believers, we, even in our infancy, are more redeemed, and we are redeemed in that now for the not yet. You know, another phrase that he uses so often is this idea of conformity to Christ. Conformity to Christ. It's this idea that we talk about in holiness and sanctification, the growing in being more Christ-like, more loving, more lovable, right? Being more Christ-like. It's putting off something to put on something else. You're putting off the old nature. You're putting off the sin in your life to put on the new nature, to put on the glory of Christ. I put off my unrighteousness as an unbeliever and in believing in Jesus Christ, I get to put on the imparted righteousness. It's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness on me, right? That's we're putting off something to put on. And then another one is we accept the action of Christ as a call for us to respond to. The action of Christ going to the cross, dying for us, taking on the sins of the world, dying for us, raising again. So in dying, he broke the curse of sin. And in rising again, he broke the curse of death. That is a call for us to respond. And we respond initially in salvation moment, right? And we respond again to begin to walk in a manner that's worthy, to grow in the marks of the humility, the gentleness, the patience, the bearing with one another, 
those are marks love going to first corinthians right love patience kindness gentleness self you know all of those we are called to grow in christ-likeness and to respond to the call of christ in our lives talked about it yesterday we aren't all called to full-time ministry vocational ministry but we are all called to minister we are all called to go out to respond in what god has done for us and to share with others to share with others the joy that he has made for us to live a life worthy with his purpose for our lives You know, life's a journey, right? And there's songs on that. What are you going to do with the dash and all those type of things? Good old country songs. And But our life is a journey. It, without Christ, it is all meaningless, right? You can go back to Ecclesiastes, to everything. There's a season, a time to be born, a time to die. A time, it, it's nothing but a meaningless cycle. but we were saved for a purpose. That purpose may be something grand to witness to everybody in your neighborhood, and it may be something as small as living a life that your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, they all see. We are called by Christ, and we respond by growing in maturity by learning to be more unified as believers. And we only do that when we grow in maturity. If you don't grow in maturity, you're not going to be unified and you're not going to be unified if you don't grow in maturity. You've got to be working towards this idea of responding to what Christ has done in our lives because when we say, Lord, I'm willing, I'm open, I'm here, He steps in. He makes the difference and He begins to reveal those things that were once hidden. And we don't understand. But he doesn't do it all at once. If you've ever read through scripture more than once and you read a passage and you go, okay, well, that's that's great. You know, look at the Good Samaritan. Almost every time the story of the Good Samaritan, you read it, and you're going, oh, oh, there's another, oh, there's another bit in that, right? I, I mean, we could we could see ourselves in the Good Samaritan. We're supposed to be kind to others. You could see yourself in the man who was beaten up, left for dead, because that's what sin and death does to us, right? Jesus is the good Samaritan reaching into us. There's another way to see it. Or, as believers, we could see ourselves as the Pharisee, the Levite, that instead of helping, they ignore the problem. Because they're scared by it. It's easy to put that into terms right now. It's easy to be scared by the rallies that are going on in honor of George Floyd. To be, you know, able to share a few things, but not willing to voice to others when you hear comments that are degrading prejudiced, even racist, because there's a limit. I'll look on in compassion to the man beaten up, left for dead. And I might even tell somebody when I get to the next town. 
but I, I'm, I'm not going to do anything about it with what's given me. You know, I, I think I had shared this before, but in talking with an individual through this and they're like, what can I do? How, how do I, how do I change? This is such a big issue. It's such a deep seated, long-term rooted issue. How do I even help? And they're a parent. I said, by teaching your kids, by making a difference in the next generation, that they won't allow those things, that they'll seek to have friendships and relationships with individuals who aren't like them, whether that be race, rank or role, right? That they will be okay around others. That's how we make a difference. And that's what the word of God does as you read through it and you begin to see yourself in different sections. I remember reading, you know, younger on reading the Bible and going, I just don't get the Old Testament. I mean, it's fun listening to the story of David and Goliath and, and Daniel in the lion's den and some of those Bible Sunday school Bible story ones, the ones that you hear. But it's really hard to see the Old Testament. And when God punishes the Israelites for Achan's sin, it's really hard to read some of the passages of where people messed up and, and you know, they said, well, God told me to do this and God really didn't tell them to do that. But as a younger Christian, it's hard to read those things. But it's as you're growing in maturity and you start to read through it and you go, whoa, I'm the Israelite nation. <laughs> um, God's told me very simply what it is that he wants from me to obey to follow his rules, and what do I do? I disobey. I, I give in to sin. I, I, I give in to everything. Like Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I should do. I, you know, we give in to that. And you begin to see yourself as the Israelites and begin to understand that God continually remembered his covenant continually, even though we, you know, we, the Israelites, we screw it up over and over. God still in love had a plan for you. That's the story of the Old Testament. And God begins to reveal that. And he reveals it as you study his word. And he reveals it as you sit and hear other people's opinions. You know, when you, when you read a passage and you have somebody who maybe is artistic, they see it in a different light. Or you see somebody from a different nationality. I, I love reading. Um, there, there are some great um, Hispanic uh, theologians out there right now, as well as other cultures, but that's been one that I've read a lot recently. And, and you see a different view. You see a different view. You see a different way of looking at scriptures that connect in a new way with some of us. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. When we are in unity, we grow together. We grow and we learn together. You know, you can learn a lot about giving. I've had conversations here recently with individuals who just, they won't give to a church. They just, you know, it's my money. Um, and they don't quite understand yet. God hasn't brought them to the point of understanding tithe and that type of thing. But, you know, when I went to Sierra Leone, just happened to be at a church when the um, district superintendent came. And I got to witness kind of what we read in Acts and other places of, from where Paul 
was going and taking an offering from one church to another one to help them out in their poverty. I saw a church of villagers that wearing their Sunday best was not really best, right? They had dirt floors. They were sitting on wood logs, stumps, all kinds of stuff. They had a, a brick building or a, a concrete building, cinder block. And out back, they were really excited because they had just built a new toilet. Uh-huh. Yeah. A six-foot by two-foot hole with a log that you sat on. That was their toilet. They were excited. Taught me a lot about giving. Because they gave generously to those other churches in need. You can learn a lot when you join in unity with other believers. It grows you in your maturity and faith and in Christ. So we're going to end there. Tomorrow we'll start up again on verse 17 to 20 and start looking at the old way and the new way and, and that type of thing. But, uh, um, you know, remember those ideas. The once this was hidden, now it's revealed to you. Once you were this, now you are that. You're no longer what you used to be. You are now God's chosen individual. So begin to conform to Christ, not to this world, but to his standards, not to the politics of the day, but to his politics of eternity, accepting the call of Christ and responding and trying to grow and learn to live in holiness. God, we love you. Lord, speak to us. Continue to grow us. Continue to make us more like your son, more loving, more lovable. God, work in our lives, we pray, so that we can go out, that we can respond, Lord, in, in small and big ways, just to share the love of Christ and what you've done in our lives to with so many around us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, O God. That's our prayer today. Lord, grow in us. Help us to see in those times of difficulty that we are not what we once were. We have been bought with a price. Lord, when things in Scripture just seem tough to understand, may we ask of the Holy Spirit who is willing to reveal to us more and more the mystery. Holy Spirit, reveal it to us. Those things that once were hidden are now revealed as, as we grow in our maturity. We won't know all the ins and outs until we grow in that maturity. So Lord, keep working on us. Peel back the layers of our hearts. Help us to see you more clearly. God, we love you, praise you, we give you all the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, have a great day, and uh, a wonderful week.